listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. What's up, Lakers fans? Recording this before, the day before, the Lakers take on the Boston Celtics. Good news about this one. We're going to jump into that. But before the semantics, make sure you all subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it. We're pretty much all anywhere you get your fix. And of course, check out silverscreenandroll.com. That's where Harrison, Christian, Sabrina will have you covered throughout the entire season. Joining me, I don't want to say as always, but maybe like bi-weekly we're doing this. Anthony, is that a fair <laughs> fair way to do it? Yeah, like every every other weekend you get a notification from Harrison that uh, this, this week on the schedule, you have to deal with me for a half hour or so. So uh, I'm sure that that just brightens up your Sundays. It does. Every time I get the notification, I actually feel really, really, I, I get a smile on my face. I'm like, yeah, I got to spend 30 minutes with Anthony Irwin, the guy who gets paid to talk for a living. So you don't really have it too bad over there, do you? Oh, no, no, no. I'm ne- I will. You will never catch me complaining about, about <laughs> what I do for a living. Not ever. <laughs> Oh, some people on Twitter certainly will, right? A bit. <laughs> so. Yeah, <laughs> I leave the complaints to those people because they have plenty of them. Uh, Lakers, big news. I want to jump into the, the Celtics thing, but um, just want to kind of go over what's been happening. I mean, it, it was a funny game when they when they beat the Hornets. Um, Kyle Kuzma had 24 points to lead the way. It wasn't very efficient overall, shooting seven for 18. But Andre Drummond, two for seven, uh, hasn't been playing too well, four points, 12 boards. But he talked about how, him and Alex Caruso, especially they want to, you know, they want to kind of be like this super defensive stoppers, a scary defensive tandem, as he said. Uh, Christian wrote about that on on silver screen and roll. When you're looking at Andre Drummond, we've seen this happen with Marc Gasol. We've now seeing it happen with Andre Drummond. Obviously, Anthony Davis is at a whole different level, so we're not going to include him in this. But is this something that you're looking at with the big men that, okay, just the way the Lakers are playing, maybe it's not best suited to have a center like Drummond, like Gasol, who's not necessarily going to be able to uh, be a threat. Gasol's a threat shooting the three on the perimeter, but he's not going to uh, drive and create or, you know, attack or attach, uh, pardon me, attract any, uh, any, any double teams while he's out there. But when you're looking at, when you're looking at the way the Lakers system is set up, do you think Drummond's numbers are just coming down on the offensive end because of how they run things? Or is it that he's just trying to find his footing with, with a bunch of brand new teammates? I think it's a little bit of everything. It's not an ideal situation right now because the Lakers are just so limited across the board. Like when, when Drummond is out there, ideally with a player like Drummond, there's enough spacing around him so that, you know, he can go in there and, and, and do his bull in a China shop thing and, and, you know, drunkenly stumble into a, some kind of a layup, maybe tap it once or twice and, and score two points on three shots per possession And, but the problem is like right now you have the Lakers are kind of taking turns where they'll have one good shooter per night and somebody else will be reluctant to shoot and somebody else will be somewhere in between those two things. And, and, and there also isn't very much creativity going on for Drummond. So he's just kind of in this tough spot where he's trying to learn everything while he's also forced to do so much creating for himself. And I just, I just don't think that's a, a proper way where he's going to be very successful right now. And, and like, you know, Kuz, I thought had a great quote, um, which I should have had in front of me, but I, I, I don't, but he basically said like Drummond spent so many years in a losing organization and I'm paraphrasing. He didn't say losing yeah. organization, yeah. but he, he, you know, not very much coaching and the, and the culture and the wasn't quite right. there. Right. For, for the Pistons. And then eventually the Cavs, 
And so, and, and Kuz is saying like, it's been really fun to watch Drummond just like learn how to win. And so Drummond is doing so much learning right now that I'm still willing to give him a bit of a pass when it comes to, to his offense. I still think he's like by, by seven foot two players uh, standards, like he's pretty inefficient. He's one of the worst finishers, I think almost in league history at the rim for his size. Uh, so it's not something he's particularly strong at on the best of days and in the best of circumstances, and he's not playing in the best circumstances right now. So his offense isn't quite there. He's, he's trying on defense. He still has some lapses and stuff. The biggest thing is like, how quickly can he pick up how uh, committed to defense the Lakers are when they're really playing their hardest. And, and I had the Lakers in that, in that Hornets game, had a stretch where they were flying all over the court and they were defending in the way that the Lakers defend when they're at their best. And unfortunately it came at a time where Drummond was off the court. And I just, you know, at some point those stretches are going to come with him on the court. He just has to learn like where to fly to when those moments are happening. Yeah. And I think that, you know, going back to Kuz's, going back to Kuz's quote, like where, where he was talking about that, it's like, yeah, you're not just playing with a bunch of Mickey Mouse dudes anymore with a Mickey Mouse, you know, like he mentioned organization. It's like, and, and I think Kuz specifically said that he goes um, something along the lines of you're not just playing basketball, you're playing winning basketball. Right. Yeah. And I think that if you look at the way Andre, Andre Drummond is his game. And like you mentioned, I mean, it's kind of weird to see a dude be that bad around the rim, but still put up like 24 points and, and 15 rebounds, you know, when he was playing on these, on these bad teams. But I, I think if, if the Lakers are going to get, they'll get some extra time to work with them. They'll go over the video with them. They'll make sure they're going to put him in spots to succeed, not only for himself individually, but I think making him more valuable to the team because he has the athleticism. Uh, he has obviously the size and, and he has the skill to, to, to be an impact guy. And I think that what you're going to see, and, and especially when LeBron and AD come back, and I was thinking about this the other day, I'm like, you know, we're looking at the Lakers there's, you know, six and seven without, without, uh, without the LeBron and AD combination in the lineup, they're beating teams that people didn't think like, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We're like, Oh man, I wonder, you know, how far could they slide down the standings and, and, you know, what's going to happen with them. And I look at, and I think all of these guys, and when I talk about these guys, I mean, players like Alex Caruso, players like Kyle Kuzma, uh, players like Wesley Matthews, you know, Montrez Harrell coming over from an organization like the Clippers, again, sure, they got a couple of superstars, but they haven't won anything. They don't have a history of doing it. And I think, you know, a guy like THT, they're just benefiting from playing with LeBron. And, and I think Anthony Davis benefited hugely just from being LeBron James' teammate. So I think once these guys are around the team day in and day out, LeBron's going to get a chance to see where they could use Drummond more effectively. I think that's when you might not see his numbers go crazy, but I think his impact will be a little bit more once they get the full lineup there, because they're going to tell him and he's going to figure out where he needs to be on the court, especially with LeBron and AD on the, uh, in the lineup. Yeah. My, my one concern for lack of a better term is let's say that he is put in that spot and he gets to play with LeBron and he gets to play with Anthony Davis and the end and the Lakers start humming uh, it to the way that they were playing at the beginning of the year. And things are still kind of dragging during Drummond minutes. Like I'm kind of curious how much leeway they're going to give him when there are other options on the roster. Like those, those Shams Karani reports of the 30 minutes a night and all of that, were were you know they they happened right after Drummond signed, which would indicate that Drummond doesn't sign with the Lakers if he doesn't get those promises. Yeah, and I think that's all fine. You know, you got to do what you got to do to get the 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 guy in the door. But 
also like the, the, the point of having depth is so that you have options. So if one guy doesn't have it going, you can already, you can always lean on somebody else. Like we've already seen with Ben McLemore, uh, they're trying to get him acclimated, but if he doesn't have it, then cool. We just go back to KCP. They're trying to get him to... Mac macclimated or acclimated. Yeah, I know, sorry, that was a ben, cheap one. Ben I had to throw it. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Perfect. That was awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh harrison that wasn't me that threw that in there and it crossed my mind as i was saying it too i was happy that somebody did it but like um but yeah like you you you're, if he doesn't have it going one night then you you go to the next option and and that's how depth should work whereas with these quote-unquote promises or or reported promises i kind of wonder all right so if drummond doesn't have it going how quickly can vogel go to marcus all if Montrez Harrell, who hasn't been very good, honestly, since Drummond comes or since since Drummond signed, if he doesn't have it going, how quickly can you go to Marc Gasol and your other options down the line? And and then all the while, like all all as this is all going on, Anthony Davis is going to have to play some minutes at the five anyway. So the math of this is kind of interesting to me. The amount of opportunity that Drummond is going to have is is interesting to me. And then also the skill set that I've seen from Drummond thus far doesn't exactly seem like the kind of big that would have an insane amount of success next to LeBron. Like he's not a finishing big. Uh, he's not the world's greatest passer. Uh, he, he, he likes to dribble, which like your bigs should never dribble when you have LeBron on the court. So there are going to be some things. And he said that he's willing to sacrifice and he's saying all, all of the right things to this point. I'm just kind of curious how this actually looks if we ever get an extended look at everybody together. Yeah, you you know you mentioned this a few times while you were answering there is, is talking about options, right? And I think that that's that's very very important. I think the Lakers have done a great job of of making sure that they give Frank Vogel options to work with. And we saw that during the title run in the bubble. It was okay, you know what? I'm not liking this matchup with JaVale McGee on on joker i'm gonna you know what we're gonna change everything up we're gonna go with dwight howard we're gonna do this and i think that's that's what they're looking at with with drummond like you mentioned is his game suited to being an ideal big next to lebron no definitely not. andre drummond likes to have the ball in his hands that's why he was putting up those numbers that he was on bad teams now again going back to the coos quote you're going from a team that was happy to win 27 games to a team that wants to win a championship and your role is going to change on a different roster like that. And I think what, what, what you're mentioning is the biggest thing is, look, man, if, if Andre Drummond's not getting it done, let's just say they got a first round matchup against the Nuggets. They, you know, they're taking on Utah in the second round and, he, and he's not getting anything done against Rudy Gobert. They're going to be like, all right, let's just put Anthony Davis at the five. Let Rudy Gobert try and handle him one-on-one. -on -one, and we're going to take advantage of the rest of our depth. And I think that's where the Lakers are actually in a pretty strong position compared to most teams is they got, you know, nine, 10 guys they can go with and they're fine playing them. And, and, and I think that's going to be the difference come time for the playoffs. Now, the hope is obviously uh, getting AD back, getting him healthy. Hopefully, LeBron is fully rested. His ankle's not giving him any problems. Like, these guys are going to be ready. And, the, you know, we're, we were talking, you mentioned this on Twitter a few times, too, like the condensed schedule, having to play the 72 games. We're seeing players getting hurt. Uh, they're playing, you know, the Nuggets had to play, what was that, a ridiculous nine games in 16 days, was it, that they yeah. had to play. LeBron James and Anthony Davis haven't been doing that. And so when they come back, they're going to be fresh as daisies and they're going to be ready to kick the door down on all these guys. So I think the Lakers, even with Andre Drummond, maybe not being an ideal fit. I think the biggest thing, like I said, is it's giving them options going into, into the playoffs. One more thing I wanted to, to ask you about this as well, uh, Anthony, because I was looking at this too, like before, before LeBron and, uh, and AD went down, 
I mean, you're looking back at, at the Lakers record. What were they 21 and seven? I think when, when AD got hurt and oh against, against the nuggets and, you know, people are talking about, Oh, you know, look at the, uh, uh, their, their record has been, you know, they're six and seven, but they beat teams like Brooklyn. You know what I mean? They got to win against a playoff team in Charlotte. This is without their two best players. So they're obviously doing something right. Do you think Frank Vogel should get any consideration for coach of the year? Should he? Absolutely. He should yeah. have gotten, he should have gotten, uh, some of that credit last year too. Will he? No. I mean, you have a bunch of salty ass franchises out there who are all angry that the fact that the Lakers had access to LeBron, the way that they had access to LeBron when he signed, and then they had access to Anthony Davis, the the way that they did when they were able to trade for him and he forced his way to LA. So uh, will Rob Palenka ever get credit? Nope. Will uh, Frank Vogel ever get credit? Nope. Uh, But, but, I, if you ask any of the people who are involved there whether or not they care, I, I, I think uh, the rings uh, will, you know, will, will shut up a lot of the people who who are unwilling to give any credit to the people who, like like it or not, were responsible for a lot of these things. Yeah, yeah, because I, 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 I was look at this. I mean, look at the Lakers, their defensive rating without LeBron and AD, one hundred four point two. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous, and that that is not from. Wow, they got great defensive players. Sure, they, you know guys like Caruso, um, you know Drummond's numbers are, are good underlying. The even even Marcus is not what they were, but I mean he's had good analytics when you look at the underlying numbers of having him on the court and defensively for the team. This is coaching, dude, and I don't think people understand that. Like everybody wants to look at it and say, oh, you know the, the Nets are scoring 118, 119 points a game. It's like yeah, but they're freaking giving up you know, a fair amount to what are they at right now? The Nets are also giving up 100, 114, yeah, 140, <laughs> close enough, 100. So it's like, you look at the Lakers and you're like, all right, dude, look at, look at the way this team is playing without that. And you're not just, you're not talking two best players, right? You're not talking about the, uh, uh, the New York Knicks playing without like RJ Barrett and, and Julius Randle. You're talking about freaking LeBron James and Anthony Davis, uh, two guys who are, who are, well, LeBron, how, when he wants to try, he's a really good defender. And Anthony Davis is an all world defender. And they're still doing this. So to me, the fact Frank Vogel's not getting any love and not being mentioned for a coach of the year or even consideration for coach of the year to me is a travesty. But again, I think that's a, that might be a bias towards like, oh, the Lakers, they should be good. But looking at the job that they've done without their two best, not just superstar, I'm talking MVP level players has been pretty good. I want to jump into a couple of things. We'll preview the Celtics. One last thing on that. One last thing. I'll take that a step further. The Lakers are going to have the best defense in the NBA this year by a decent margin, and they aren't going to have any players, I don't think, on the first-team NBA, maybe not even on the second-team All-NBA uh, defense, that is. Uh, they aren't going to—Frank Vogel is barely going to get any attention for Coach of the Year, and it just kind of goes to show, like, none of these awards— that none of these awards actually mean anything in the way that the NBA wants us to, to, to attribute meaning, meaning to them. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so the NBA wants us to hold up MVP as like this definitive statement, excuse me, of, of uh, the, the, the year that was in terms of the most valuable player in the year that year. And they want us to look at all the all NBA and all NBA defense and all rookie teams and all that stuff. And, and they want us to attribute like, all right, this is, this is how we're going to tell the story of that year, but that's not actually how those any of those rule those awards actually function. They're conversation starters. They're they're you know over the in, in dead stretches of the year you have people arguing over MVPs because there isn't anything to talk about in freaking mid March and mid April mm-hmm. because the NBA regular season is meaningless. And then that's the last thing that that you need to bring up in all of these awards is that. 
even for those players who are winning it, and even for those coaches and executives who are winning it, the NBA has made it crystal clear to everybody that the regular season doesn't bleeping matter. And they've done it with this regular season that the, the second half of this regular season is a, is, an, a, is a complete farce where you have the, the, the Nuggets before Jamal Murray got hurt had played six games in nine nights. The Lakers over the last week or so, uh, their Charlotte Hornets uh, win was their third game in four nights. And this is after the NBA has done all kinds of research about uh, how important rest is for all these players and how, how important, uh, you know, not playing stretches like that are for maintaining health across the league. And the NBA said, nope, the dollar is more important than all of those things. And also, please, by the way, keep in mind who wins all of these awards and, and please try to, to focus on, on, on trying to make this regular season look like, you know, get the hell out of here. No, yeah, yeah. None of that, none of that stuff. I'm not going to stand for any of it. Like none of that stuff should actually effing matter. And, and, and the fact that Adam Silver is going to stand up there and, and call this season any kind of a success, like he should get booed off the stage from now on. He should get the David Stern treatment every time he walks onto a stage because this year was a, was a complete farce. Yeah, it was a, I agree with you. I think the way they've handled it, the way they've done it, I, you know, being a Canadian, I'm paying attention to the NHL, uh, the hometown team for me, the Vancouver Canucks, they haven't played a game in, in something like two and a half weeks now because the virus just ripped through the entire roster and their families. And they're like, yeah, but you guys got to play again on Friday now. And it's like, well, this is ridiculous. Like there's no real um, consideration. And I think the way it's been handled and even with the regular season, even with the regular season, you know, being condensed and being what it is, it's like nobody gives. Like, can you? Who had the best record in the NBA in 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 two thousand and you know six? Nobody remembers, and so nobody cares. So it's all based on the it's all based on what happens in the playoffs. So I, I'm with you. I, I think the Lakers are going to get the shaft through all of this stuff. But again, it all matters what comes times for the postseason, which thank God is around the corner. Um, let's jump into some other things. The Celtics game. I want to talk about the Staples Center. We'll do that after a short break. All right, we are back. Uh, Anthony, they're taking on your favorite, your second favorite team in the NBA on Friday, the Boston Celtics. Uh, they're actually starting to turn things around. They've won their last four, uh, looking a little bit better. But the big news is finally some fans allowed into the Staples Center. You think it's going to make any difference, not just for the players, but even for us for a viewing experience? Or is it just going to be minimal, like it's going to be kind of what we've seen all season? I'm just happy that we're hopefully getting rid of that terrible fake fan noise on, yeah. <laughs> on these broadcasts. <laughs> Get that out of my life. The worst thing, <clears throat> the worst thing to me when I'm watching any of these games and they have that fake fan, that, that, that noise that they're trying to pipe into the, um, to the broadcast is that the team, the home team, whether it's the Lakers who, who or whoever, the home team will be down 20 and you'll still have that kind of muted chatter as if like <laughs> the fans would actually be saying anything and be making any noise while their team is down by that amount of points. It's the worst thing to me. And so uh, for the viewing experience for, for me from home, I'm excited about not hearing that anymore. And then also like for the players, all of these guys, like look, the highest I ever got to for competitive basketball, you know, where, where, uh, any kind of competitive basketball was high school, you know, high school varsity stuff. And, 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 you know, you, you carry on there and you play some college like pickup stuff, but for the most part, like where people were showing up to watch your games, the energy is just different in a building where there are fans. It's, it just is. And, and hearing that crowd, whether it's 
you know, a quarter of how loud it might get normally or, or half as loud as it might get normally, it, it, it doesn't matter. These guys are all going to really kind of pick up off of that. I remember the first game that at this time, the Lakers were still healthy and they played in Houston and Houston opened up their doors and had some fans in there mm-hmm. and all of, all of the Lakers, this was their first time all season playing in front of fans. All of them said, yeah, that was different. That was fun. That's, that's what we signed up for. Um, on top of the millions and millions and millions. Yeah, of yeah never mind the fact that you're making right. dollars a year. Yeah, that has <laughs> but, nothing to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, they, but they said that like the vibe in there was just completely different, that they felt like they were, you know, getting back to some sense of normalcy. And and now that the sound that they're going to be playing uh, in front of is actually going to be people rooting for them is, I think, really going to help uh, the, the Lakers during these, this last maybe week or so while they wait to get Anthony Davis back. So I'm, I'm really excited for it. Uh, sounds like the Lakers are, are being as smart as they can. There was some controversy about their stance on purses and bags and stuff, which, yeah. like was, which was very clearly a, a, uh, a policy that was put in place by a bunch of dudes who do not wear women's uh, jeans and, and women's pants. Like when they, when they walk around, like that's, that's going to be kind of difficult for, for women going to some of these games. Uh, but just, but just put that, on some loose Jordan sweatpants like we do and just go, just hey go man, into like, this thing. <laughs> we can fit a bunch of things in our knob display. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, that they, they're going to have to find some way around us. I hope that the Lakers do kind of address that policy. It's kind of stupid. Um, I, I don't understand how like wearing, bringing in a bag, changes anything for the amount of danger people are going to be be in in that building but but either way uh just just having people in staples center raising that banner in front of the celtics especially the banner that tied the the lakers with the celtics uh is going to be cool um i i don't think the lakers are going to win the basketball game because usually teams that are putting up a banner don't typically go on to uh win the game that they're playing in under the best of circumstances and the Lakers are playing with like a quarter of their rotation. But still, I, I do think that just, just having fans back there and, and hearing actual crowd noise coming from Staples Center is going to be, it, it might, I, I might actually get a little emotional watching it just because it's been, it's been, like you said, 14 months of all of this stuff. It, it, you know, just getting to see that again will, will be a pretty cool moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, too. Like, I haven't particularly, and, you know, we're, I think we're all, anybody who does this, we're all huge sports fans, you know, across the board. I, I, I mainly, you know, cover basketball and, and football. Um, but, I mean, even for me, like, it hasn't been the same, you know, and, I, and that's one thing I notice every single time I'm watching the game. Like, it doesn't matter what game it is I'm covering, what sport, even if I'm just, you know, sitting around, lazing around and, and, and watching, like I was watching the Celtics and the, and the Nuggets on, uh, on Sunday. And then I'm like, man, I just want, I can't wait till they're, they're full again, because like you mentioned, it's like the energy for a big play. Like, can you imagine the, the building was full for the Warriors when Stephen Curry was going off for 53, it just has a different energy to it. And that to me is the biggest thing I'm looking forward to. And like you mentioned, I mean, I, you know, I've asked some of the players, I've asked some, some media members that I've had, um, on the podcast during, during, uh, uh, during the season, you know, what's it been like? And they're like, yeah, it's just kind of eerie. And it's weird being in there. Like, you know, you're not, you're not used to this and, and you're, you're calling the game. Like I had Dave Pashon from ESPN and, you know, we're talking about covering a game and he's like, it's just, you're trying to get the energy and you just don't have it. And I feel like that's what it's been like 
at home viewing the game as well is I'm, I'm missing that. But for me, I mean, I, again, it's be a minimal amount of fans, but it'll be cool to see. And I think the way things are going here in California, especially in LA County, you know, I think by the time we get to maybe the second round of the playoffs, you could be looking at 50% capacity, 60% capacity, whatever it is. But are you with me that we're not going to see buildings being full again until um, the first game of, of, of 2021, 2022? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Lakers have been pretty hyper uh, careful with, with all of this. Uh, it is indoors. So, you know, the Texas Rangers had those clips go viral for, for getting a, a, you know, full sellout crowd for their game. And their defense was like, well, you know, most people are vaccinated and, and it's an outdoor event. So that makes it safer anyway, and all those things. Um, so I don't, I don't think we're going to see that with the Lakers anytime soon, but I do think like, I do think by the time the playoffs roll around, there'll be a decent, I'm not like a decent roar uh, from, from a playoff crowd. It won't be, it won't be Staples center as, as loud as it can get. And the, and the building won't be rocking the way that it, it could for some of its biggest moments that it's ever seen. But, but one thing I, one thing I do know from uh, the Laker fan base, having spent so much time being a voice of it and then having them voice their opinions uh, when I do act as, as its voice, they can get loud when they want to, no matter how many people mm-hmm. are in my mentions, how many people are, are, are in any kind of a building. Uh, it doesn't matter if I was out on vacation and the Lakers were playing and, and I was at some bar and it was only like four or five Lakers fans. We, we repped the Lakers in that building and, and, and we dominated the noise. If there was some kind of a game and I was abroad or something like that, uh, it, it, I, I think the Lakers and Lakers fans, even if it's at half capacity or whatever it might be, I think they'll, they'll still rep the, rep the team as best as they, they can possibly do so. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, like you said, I mean, you know, even if you get 1500, 2000 and eventually, you know, 4,005, whatever it is, it, I, I think they can, yeah, they'll tear the house down. I think they'll, they'll, they'll move some things around. I think production wise um, to get a better handle on the noise and where that where it gets louder and how to put it so they it does because i'm with you i mean i remember during the nfl season it's like i'm watching a 49ers game that that's my squad and i'm watching a game and it's like uh you know uh, nick mullen just got picked off why is the crowd cheering and it's like okay like i'm sick of this fake the fake it was the worst <laughs> I, you know what i miss you know what i honestly miss i miss the refuse suck chant yeah like you got you got on occasion over the course of the year they figured out like how to mix in some booze and stuff like that from 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 the quote unquote crowd. But I miss like the you know the the ref you suck or the boom mm, you know like the all of those chants. Like I miss I miss those chants, man. I I miss having fans back there and getting more natural reactions than just like that like kind of dull. Yeah, that they yeah. just turn that they just turn up whenever somebody makes a shot. It's like. It just sounds like it's windy, right? You know what I mean? Like, what's going right, on? Like, yeah. yeah, I don't, don't want to hear this. Somebody needs to clear their throat, man. It's like a death <laughs> rattle. <laughs> well, at least it's happening against the Celtics. Like you mentioned, you're not expecting the Lakers to win. And obviously, it's, it's the most storied rivalry in uh, in basketball, if not in all the sports, with the Lakers and the Celtics. Um, what, what are your thoughts on how Boston has been doing this season? Like I said, I mean, they are coming along. And it was interesting to see Jason Tatum feel like he's finally getting back close to 100% after having COVID. And uh, Harrison had tweeted about this uh, earlier in the day, talking about how, you know, he's one of the best conditioned people on the planet. And he's still feeling it. But, you know, and the Celtics did, in all fairness, have to go through uh, quite a bit of, uh, of stuff with the COVID, especially earlier in the season. You look back at 
uh, February time. But if you're looking at them, and I know it's going to be tough for you to say anything good about them because you hate them and you're especially, well, I know you have an affinity for Danny Ainge as well, but uh, <laughs> what, what do you think of the Celtics as an opponent? And do you think they'll, because before the season, people were looking at them potentially climbing up and, and, and being a team that, that could make it out of the Eastern Conference. Obviously, we look at Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee are ahead of them, but the Celtics do have talented pieces. Where do you see them? Do you see them doing anything in the playoffs or is it going to be maybe one round, maybe, maybe get to the second round and they're done? Well, actually, you know, there was that one report right before Drummond signed with the Lakers, which like made me laugh like a maniac. But but there was that report where they were saying that uh, Boston was was in the running and even at one point leaders for Andre Drummond. And I, and I thought that made a little sense because they just they seem like such a small team. And then so they go from that to trading away Daniel Tice who was playing an important role for them. And like Tristan Thompson has been playing better. He's a big part of the reason why they are on this little four game uh, winning streak or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, but like, I, you know, I just, I, I don't like their makeup uh, for, for a playoff team, especially considering the teams that they're going to be competing against. Like you have, you have Brooklyn who has Kevin Durant and they have Kyrie Irving and they have James Harden. I don't think Boston has enough perimeter defense to contend with those guys. And they also don't have enough interior de interior defense to deal with Joel Embiid. And they don't have enough size to build a wall uh, around the rim to uh, block off Giannis. So I don't really know what Danny Ainge was really kind of going for with this team. And like the every, you know, there are so many reports of like, oh, we almost got this guy. And oh, we almost got this guy. And we were this close, but we didn't want to give up this 2043 second rounder for him and it's just you know I, I i enjoy it because i i i i love laughing at danny ainge like i my hatred for danny ainge extends well beyond him as a gm i i like on a very principled level i just disrespect i i i i have the utmost contempt for the way that he runs the boston celtics but on top of that he was a complete insert whatever word you want to hear when he was a boston celtic so him like him being that annoying as a player to now becoming this uh, <laughs> incompetent as a GM is just it it's it, it adds another level of delight as the Celtics have for the most part fallen on their face this season. Well, Danny Ainge is like the the Buffalo Bills of of acquiring uh, big name trade targets and, and signing free agents right in the on the on the market because yeah. he always finishes second. Um, right. and and you know they were. And again, the Celtics are like the Lakers, like when they're good, they get a lot of attention around the league, especially when they're a championship contender. And even when they're not good, they're still talked about, you know, they're, they're a legacy franchise, but I'm with you. I mean, I think the arrogance of some of the Boston fans and, and, and seeing that I'm kind of glad that, that they have fallen our whole times, even though I, I admit, I, I love watching Jason Tatum play, but I, I'm kind of yeah. happy to see them kind of call the fall, fall off from, from where people wanted them to be. Um, it's great. It's great with Jason Tatum because you're getting some of those kind of whispers and, and annoyed columns. And it's like, Oh, well, if he already has one step, one foot out the door, he can go ahead and leave town. And I'm just like, yes. Yeah. Do it. Push this dude out, please. Boston go full Boston. Like, let's just like, go, go root for Gordon Hayward coming back. And, and, and <laughs> 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 that would be you know what he's only 23 and i'm like yeah who knows like if he gets sick of it because you know you're right like if he ends up leaving like get out of there and you guys they've made a lot of mistakes uh i, I think he had a lot of the nucleus in place that they could have set it up to be a dominant franchise for for five to seven years obviously danny Ainge, 
does his best, but not doing a good enough job. Uh, that does yep. it for this episode. Don't forget, subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Harrison always likes the five-star ratings if you all want to give us that. Uh, don't forget, you can follow Anthony on Twitter as well, at Anthony Irwin LA. I'm at JazzKang21. And Harrison, Christian, Sabrina, the entire crew will have you covered. We're on the stretch drive, into the stretch drive of the season. Uh, so check out SilverScreenAndRoll.com for all your Lakers needs. That does it for this episode. Uh, we'll be back. I believe it's Sabrina and uh, Christian will have you covered post-game after the Lakers take on the Celtics Thursday at Staples Center.